say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, everyone. This is Bernadine from Beyond the Paint Podcast. I want to thank everyone who participated in my 100th episode celebration giveaway. And before I announce the winners, I want to give a deserved shout out to the artists who entered. And in the podcast notes, I've included their websites and encourage you to explore their work. And the artists include Christine Lyons, Ariana Tavares, Jean Rill Alberto, Catherine Hart, Sally Brown, Kathy Pierce, Andrea Filatro, Gina Lee Robbins, Kat Zagria, Agathe Bouton, Melanie Pennington, Valerie Carme, and Alex Bigotti. The winner of the special edition t-shirt designed by Laurence de Valmy in collaboration with Art Go Rising and the Cannes Gallery is Melanie Pennington. Congratulations. The winner of two zines by the designers made by women is Ariana Tavares. Thank you again for your participation and your enthusiasm for this podcast series. Hi, my art enthusiasts. Did you know I am an independent creator and the sole woman behind every aspect in creating this podcast series? From research, crafting and editing the content, producing and marking each and every episode. And I am so humbled and grateful in your enthusiasm for my labor of love to engage you with women artists. But you can support me though, so I can continue to grow and expand the series. Learn more by going to my website at beyondthepaint.net. Every contribution allows me to keep bringing you fresh perspectives of the contributions of women in the visual arts. I thank you in advance for your generosity. And now back to the show. And welcome to episode 100. As I was thinking about crafting the content for this episode, this milestone, I look to other podcasters, commemoration of their milestone episodes or anniversaries, and many shared their favorite past episodes or excerpts of episodes. I decided instead to reposition your audio view from the women artists I have celebrated and the works of art we journeyed through together in this series for a more intimate look into events that catapulted me into the visual arts and the woman artist I first fell so deeply in love with, the 20th century artist Louise Nevelson. She completely tossed me out of complacency into living a more emboldened life. My first transformative experience in the visual arts before my engagement with Louise Nevelson was from a landscape painting, the 19th century work Vale of St. Thomas, Jamaica, by the Hudson River School painter Frederick Church. It was within this luscious, verdant, panoramic vista my love affair with the visual arts first began. 
I was a young mother with a toddler son looking for things to do, and the Museum Wadsworth Athenaeum in Hartford offered free admission on Thursdays. It was in the gallery spaces and my contemplation of works, like the church painting, that I didn't just see art, I experienced it. My senses became enlivened. Some of the works that graced the galleries drew me in so deeply I wept. The repeated visits with my son, who delighted in the conflicting juxtapositions of forms in surrealist paintings like Salvador Dali's apparition of face and fruit dish on a beach, influenced me to change my major from English to art history and then progress towards a graduate degree in American studies from Trinity College. I discovered women artists through my internship and as a docent at the New Britain Museum of American Art in New Britain, Connecticut. It was here my passion crystallized through the visual expressions by women like Louise Nevelson and my first experience with her assemblage work, Untitled, from 1985. In her rectilinear boxes of carefully arranged wooden objects she gathered from urban debris, I found myself seeing into the art, seeing her inner life portrayed in the work. It is through Nevelson's artistic voice and through other women artists' artistic voices, I found myself thinking, seeing, and speaking in new and daring ways. Female artists, those creative women, tugged at me, pulled me from my traditional ideas and the limitations of domestic life into a new life filled with work I love as an educator and writer, and for the last 99 episodes, a podcaster. Nevelson's art is a manifestation of her desires. She said, quote, My theory is that when we come on this earth, many of us are ready-made. Nature gives you these gifts. There is no denying that Beethoven came with music in his soul, and Picasso was drawing like an angel in the crib. You're born with it. I claim for myself I was born this way. From earliest childhood, I knew I was going to be an artist. I felt like an artist, so I have that blessing, and there was never a time that I questioned it or doubted it. Some people are here on earth and never knew what they wanted. I call them unfinished business. I had a blueprint all my life from childhood, and I knew exactly what I demanded of this world. Now, some people may not demand of life as much as I did, but I wanted one thing that I thought belonged to me. I wanted the whole show for me that is living, unquote. The first time I read those words from Nevelson's mouth was over 20 years ago, and I get emotional with nearly the same intensity as I read them now. As a young woman, wife, mother, I did not demand from the world. I was shaped by expectations from my upbringing in an Italian-American home to form into the limiting and narrow roles my small world demanded of me. Nevelson articulated and poked at my muffled voice, I, too, am an artist. And through the words of Nevelson, I was able to make the shift in my life and the prescribed roles of mother and wife, not to abandon those roles and responsibilities, 
There was joy and purpose in those relationships. But to shift my perceptions and to carve out in my days with time for me, with time for me to create. Nevelson said, quote, I don't say life was easy. For 40 years, I wanted to jump out of windows, but I did feel I had the strength and creative ability. There was never any doubt about that. No one could move me till I got what I wanted on my terms on earth, and I do. And it takes maybe not the greatest mind, but it did take courage, and it did take despair, and the hardship gave me total freedom, unquote. Those words have burned into my spirit and throughout my cherished roles of raising children, the joy of my grandchildren, and the deep love for my husband, I am a seeker. My art is to be a conduit to share with others the story of art, to help others see through the visual expression the world in new ways. In Nevelson, I was not only exposed to her art, but also to the individual woman who maintained a flair for the theatrical in her eccentric dress, her hair wrapped in printed scarves, thick fake eyelashes, and flamboyant manner. She manifested this theatrical sensibility into her work, and this included controlling the light and space within which the viewer experienced her work. Nevelson's works, quote, embody stories from her cumulative experiences as a Jewish child relocated to America from Russia, as an artist in training in New York City and Germany, and as a hardworking, successful woman within the male-dominated realm of the New York gallery system, unquote. She is able to, as theorized by artists and Nevelson's teacher, Hans Hoffman, Quote, to transform the material with which the artist works back into the sphere of the spirit, to attach an emotional dimension which Hoffman identified as spirituality. So let's take a closer look at her characteristic assemblages, paying close attention to her process. Untitled from the New Britain Museum of American Arts collection is a smaller version of the iconic large wooden walls or environments fitted with individual boxes filled with scores of carefully arranged found objects, usually sawed up fragments of furniture or woodwork rescued from old destroyed houses or schools. She then painted her work in a uniform matte black or white or reflective gold, what is different in Nevelson's assemblages from traditional, quote, sculpture, and sometimes her works are referred to as sculptures. So traditional sculptures are defined as a three-dimensional form created by carving, molding, casting. Nevelson's boxes and walls are formed by assembling existing pieces of wood and by cutting some of the pieces to be assembled. Nevelson moved into a new terrain as she used discarded architectural ornaments and random pieces of wood to create abstract forms and symbols in the context of her time. And this is during the earlier part of the 20th century. As a woman, in her early found object assemblages, Nevelson scavenged her materials from gutters and junkyards, reusing scraps that bore the scars of their previous lives. Her knowledge of wood stemmed in part from her childhood, 
Her Jewish family emigrated from Kiev, Ukraine to Rockland, Maine when she was a child. Her father worked as a woodcutter and lumber merchant. As a female artist, as a woman, Nevelson, who referred to herself as an architect and builder, upended gendered conventions about the proper techniques for female artists. The work Dawn's Wedding Feast from 1959 is composed of junk that achieves a quality of decayed elegance through shallow boxes filled with assemblages of whitewashed baluster, finials, posts, moldings, and other architectural elements. Nevison revealed to Museum of Modern Art about Dawn's wedding feast that she, quote, saw the four main wall sculptures as wedding chapels. As part of that trousseau, Nevison made a wedding cake, a chest, a mirror, and a pillow. She made guests in the form of hanging columns. Nevelson's walls create environments with a variety of emotional and poetic connotations. I have experienced several of her works. My favorite by far is Sky Cathedral, a black, richly layered work made of shallow open boxes fitted together like a jigsaw puzzle. The boxes, their sizes vary, contain reliefs and landscapes. Their contents include salvage wood beds, spindles, chair parts, architectural ornaments, scroll-sawed fragments. Some of the arrangements are irregular and asymmetrical. Others are sharply cut, as if with tools, and are arranged in more orderly geometrical patterns. All the boxes and its contents are painted in uniform matte black. There's a play of flatness and recession, straight lines and curves, overlapping and vacancies. By painting them all black, Nevelson obscures their original identities. Nevelson said, I don't think I chose it for black. I think it chose me for saying something. You see, it says more for me than anything else. For me, it's the total color. It means totality. It means contains all, unquote. For me, you don't just step into the space between yourself and the work. My looking experiences encompass a kind of dance, an interplay between my body stepping forward, stepping back, sashaying across, identifying individual objects, and then taking them all in at once. The multitude of objects, scraps of molding, dowels, spindles, layered and juxtaposed into compelling arrangements. And as I shared earlier, the color black unifies the composition, obscuring individual objects. Nevelson said about her fascination with the color black, When I fell in love with black, it contained all color. It wasn't a negation of color. It was an acceptance because black encompasses all colors. Black is the most aristocratic color of all. You can be quiet and it contains the whole thing. Levelson's fascination with the color black became mine, manifested through a change in my wardrobe. I started to pour myself into black, the nuances of black tones in my jerseys and shirts and pants. Even when I chose other colors, I, like Nevelson's sculptures, unified my garments in one tone, like brown or gray. My lipstick, though, always a bright matte red. It evoked that little bit of theater and a nod to my mentor, Nevelson. 
Her works connect with spirit because they evoke the sense of a shrine or place of devotion. There is this altar-like character in the total wall or landscape. Even the lighting of her works within the gallery space has psychological effects, white and gold, which seem to imply purity, and the dawn respond best to bright light, while the black, when dimly lit, their darkness conjures shadows and mystery. Nevelson wrote that in her art she sought the in-between places, the dawns and dusk, the objective world, the heavenly spheres, the places between the land and the sea. About her process, Nevelson once said, I make collages. I join the shattered world, creating a new harmony. The work aligns with her philosophy put into practice. She puts remnants of architectural structures found on the streets into rectangular containers, and in doing so, she created a clear structure which compels the viewer into a mysterious darkness. She broke the frame of tradition, and she was able to accomplish this through courage. Nevelson said, I think the most important thing to do in living is to do it. One has to have courage, really, and one must gamble with life to really move into the areas where they can fully fulfill themselves. Louise Nevelson, her life, her art, reflects in me a blueprint for living. She envisioned and recreated her path through constant artistic production, through hard work, not through feminist activism or platforms. It was her way out of the entrenched sexism in a male-dominated industry. Nevelson broke every standard of what an artist was supposed to look like at the time. And this really speaks to me because Nevelson never let fear or the constraints of male dominancy get in her way. She was a trailblazer for women artists. Louise Nevelson liberated me so completely from both imposed and self-imposed constraints in my life. I, too, am blazing my own path. This podcast series is just one way for me to share the ideas, the voices, the inner lives of other trailblazing women through works of art with others, with you, my listeners. And my hope is that their voices will resonate within you to awaken within you those parts of yourself that are laden in complacency so you, like the women, can live more boldly. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.